You are listening to Figuring Shit Out with Dr. Nikki Naradin, where you can finally get yourself out of that state of confusion. Confusion is the stealer of dreams and move into some clarity so that you can really like live your passion, your hope, your dream, anything you ever wanted. It's all possible. You could feel better really, really quickly. All right. Enjoy the episode. Hey, 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 everybody. It's Dr. Nikki. My lovely joy seekers, we are all here figuring shit out. And that's what I do every day. And that's what I'm here for to keep you company while you figure your shit out and maybe give you some ideas about how to figure it out quicker. Because that's really kind of what we're trying to do. Like, we're just trying to have a really great and wonderful life. And we're trying to have that great and wonderful life as soon as best, as easily as we possibly can. That doesn't mean hard things won't happen because we do have the 50-50 of life. But it does mean that the hard things don't become so incredibly hard by all the resistance and all our ideas about how it shouldn't be that way that that 50-50 becomes like 80-20. That really stinks when the normal occurrences of life end up becoming so incredibly intense and so difficult that it's unbearable. It's untenable. So you're just making these things bearable. You are able to handle hard things. I, I saw a patient the other day. He was a, a young seven-year-old boy who had fractured his clavicle and he was in a cast when he came in, not a cast, but a, a splint and a, a little sling. And he had been in it for two weeks and he was really, really scared to move his arm. And he did have a little bit of pain, but he was also kind of deconditioned and things weren't moving well. And he hadn't moved it in a long time. He had done really well because that was his dominant arm doing everything with his other arm. So he was able to really accommodate. And I was so impressed with that. But he came in and I had to take off the sling and I had to have him move it while I was there to make sure that everything was okay. And he was crying and he was really upset. And I just reminded him that he will feel some pain, that nothing has gone wrong, and that he can do really hard things, and that I would wait for him while he tried. And he did. And I was so proud of him. Yay. And by the time he left the the office, he was able to pretty much grab the door. I was having him grab things. It was just so much fun. So remember to do that with a lot of fun. I could tell that his parents were getting really upset with him somehow feeling discouraged about the possibilities of doing that. And so they were kind of humiliating him a bit about what he should be able to do and what he isn't doing. And even possibly a little bit of that boy's oppression that happens so early on. Man up, be strong you're so gay, whatever it is, there's some little piece of that. And and that's a tricky situation. But I just kind of love modeling this stuff for people that we actually could get him to move with a little bit more patience, encouragement, and exciting support. I love it. I move that way. And then I talked to the parents a little bit about where they weren't supported to do that kind of thing. And I think they could really understand at that point, because when they put themselves in their little seven-year-old position and realize 
how harshly they were treated, they could actually spin it around a little bit and realize that the harshness was never particularly helpful for them and definitely not particularly helpful for their child. Well, that was a little side note, but usually we start these podcasts with the commitment and the commitment is an important way that we remember something very true about ourselves, about our nature, about our desire to be close, about the promises of the world. It's so exciting. I joyfully promise from this moment on to never give up my dreams and goals. I choose to remember always that the whole world is mine to explore and I need never be alone in figuring it out or making it just right. That I was born worthy and lovable without condition and whatever brought me to this place is just the journey to my present and future self and not the sum total of who I am or who I will become. Yay. These are all absolute universal truths. We lose a lot of whatever we believe about this just based on our socialization, our upbringing. I I met two fantastically wonderful, brilliant, beautiful people inside a net. Smart doctors. Not saying that doctors are the end all and be all. Believe me, we have our insecurities and our defensiveness and everything that goes along with being a doctor within a society that makes money out of medicine. It's very, very confusing. And we are the visible component of it. But these two people actually believed that they were unlovable. One that came into the room, my office, where all of the other doctors that work alongside me during my four weeks didn't work and came in and brought cookies for us. And we were so excited. And we told him, we were so happy that he came in there, that he's invited any time, that we thought he was great. And he looked at us like we were crazy. And he said, why would you want me here? And I said, because you're a really great person and you bake cookies. Anybody who brings me cookies is good. And he said, but I'm not lovable. He said those words. And we all looked at him and said, why would you believe that? And he said, because I haven't been married yet. And he's an older person who'd never been married. So somehow that became the bar of whether he was lovable or not, whether somebody else would want them from here to eternity or not. Well, as a person that is going through a divorce right now, believe me, being married was not necessarily my benchmark to whether I felt lovable or not. Actually, I feel more lovable now in my presently separated state, because I'm really working at loving myself in a tremendous way and not working at making sure that everybody else around me is loving me and somehow getting affirmations with that. I call that the affirmation or the love vending machine. So when I was living with somebody, I was constantly looking for ways in which they loved me or didn't love me. And everything was either confirmation of it or against it. All right. So the next thing is A Course in Miracles, and we are on lesson 16, which is a lesson that I love. The The idea here is I have no neutral thoughts. Now, everybody believes that some of their thoughts are completely neutral, very benign. And then when you really look at them, you realize that they're not so benign and they are not universal truths. 
And they're not actually neutral thoughts. So I was thinking about a couple of thoughts that I had the other day, like things like, oh, I'm being lazy, which sounds like the truest thing around because I didn't feel like doing the boring thing that I should be doing, or I can't stand charting. It is such a freaking drag to chart. But I decided to call myself lazy as opposed to, wow, that's so interesting. I'm struggling getting these charts done or wow, those charts are really boring, which is another thought and definitely not a neutral thought. But every thought I have means something. There is something that I am putting out with those thoughts. There is something that I'm believing. There's something that I'm rehearsing. And the idea with The Course of Miracles is that our thoughts are never neutral. And either your thought is bringing about love or peace, or it's bringing about war, contention, separation, and whatever. And we get to, and this is the interesting part, because I've been switching that word of I have to, or I should, but I get to actually look at it so that I can grow and be aware of what I'm thinking and how that thinking is impacting what I'm doing, what I put out to the world, and the results that I have. So the idea is here just to go over all of your thoughts, do that a couple of times a day, maybe for a minute or two. It really doesn't take that long. And then say to yourself, this thought about dot, dot, dot is not a neutral thought. And keep going with it because you're going to want to decide that it is a neutral thought. You're going to trick yourself into believing it's either a meaningless thought. So you just say it and it's a throwaway thought. And believe me, there are no throwaway thoughts that get lodged in our brain. And if they're coming up, they're coming up from somewhere and whether it's a neutral thought or not. So this is the exciting part of A Course in Miracles is we're dismantling all of these ideas about how our thoughts are either meaningless or not meaningless, and that they absolutely define everything that we are, everything that we think, every way we're going to move forward, and every result we're going to have. And this is the only way to really move forward into a life that you can can't even envision, a life bigger than you could possibly imagine. And there was one other thought that I had the other day, which seemed like a neutral thought to me. So the other night, and this is really what I want to talk about, the other night I was having problems going to sleep. I had a conversation with my husband. Um, as you know, we're separating. And he was telling me about the dates that he went on. And I just ended up thinking about them. And there were a couple of thoughts that I have about what he was saying or whatever it was that I, I really don't want to get into at the moment. But as I was not sleeping, I started worrying about not sleeping. And then I started to think, I'm going to have a bad day tomorrow. And then every hour that started to go by, I thought, now I'm only going to get six hours or now I'm only going to get five hours of sleep. And then I realized that all of the thoughts that I had were not necessarily true. First of all, I'm not sure how much sleep I truly need every night. I'm sure that it really varies depending on how much energy I'm putting out, about how much sunlight I get, about how excited I am or not. Whatever it is, I don't know the exact hour. And I know that I've told people or at least in the past I have, that they should have a certain amount of sleep in order to be healthy. But that isn't true either. I've been doing some research about that. 
And previously, the iteration of our beings before a few hundred years ago when things were industrialized and we needed to get up in the morning and work a certain amount of hours a day and not necessarily sleep during the day, most of the sleep was bicircadian, meaning that we just slept in little chunks or we slept a couple of hours and then got up and had sex or something and then went back to sleep. I, I don't know exactly how much, but it's almost like our sleep has been colonized. And what I mean colonized is that it's it's been formulated so that we could exist within this society, within the structure of the society we live in. So I truly don't know how much sleep I need or not, but that thought that I was going to have a bad day next day or when I woke up, it was going to be bad was not necessarily true either. I've not slept for nights and I've had great days when I was doing something really exciting. I went out, maybe I had to get up and I was so excited about whatever I was doing that I got up and I was fine. So it wasn't necessarily true that I was going to have a bad day. And saying that to myself wasn't particularly helpful. So I decided that I was going to tell myself that I wasn't sure what the day was going to be like next. So it wasn't one of those Pollyanna positive affirmation. Some people call that toxic positivity. I don't really call it that. I, I like the positive things I say. But I believed that thought, that I wasn't sure if I was going to be tired or not. And that if I was going to be tired, that I would surely be able to deal with it because then I would have the next night to sleep. And then I also decided that I could actually slow down a bit and not necessarily rush. And even though I still saw the same amount of patients that day, I saw them very relaxedly and I saw them very slowly. And when I say slowly, it didn't take me that much longer. I just didn't feel particularly rushed about it. And I definitely didn't feel anxious about it. So this is where the thoughts that I had before, which seemed so benign in some way, that I was going to be tired and that I was going to have a bad day, weren't necessarily true, and that I could actually decide to have a different thought. One that was equally true, because I can never predict necessarily what the next day will bring, but also made me feel better. So then I started to think, well, what did I do after that? And how can... I help you guys figure shit out in relation to sleep because there is no guarantee that you're going to sleep every night. And nobody promised that we were going to sleep every night. We're human. Things happen. Our mind starts going. It's just part of the reality of who we are. So let's not decide that there's something wrong if we don't sleep at night. So that, that is step number one. Try not to freak out. Nothing has gone wrong. There's no certainty that you'll be tired the next day or have a bad day at all. Step number two, try to stay relaxed at night. Use it as a time to meditate, to do deep relaxation, channel your woo-woo if you can and put on those binaural beats or whatever it is. Do some deep relaxation breathing or do some tapping. I have been tapping lately and it's been pretty incredible. Honestly, it, it's a really interesting thing because when you tap on whatever you, your fears are, it's like you're releasing them on a deep cellular level because these acupressure points, which I've been learning and having so much fun learning with my acupressure, my acupuncture course really 
just opens up a channel for full movement. And so it's like you're getting a hearing on something that's really hard, which normally we don't get a hearing on, especially if we're alone, because we're kind of saying it out loud. And then we're moving it on that cellular energetic level. Tapping has been really, really great. And I'm so excited about it because I feel like I work very, very early on a lot of hurts, but I do it in a way that some people struggle to relate to, because I feel like if I can think about those early hurts and realize that they've evoked an emotion and then truly have feelings like I would have had at that time with the emotion, like really emote, like cry hard or laugh or shake or whatever it is, then I release it almost like the house of cards from back then and I can move on. But a lot of people don't like to cry or shake or laugh, but they don't really mind tapping. So you could go back early and tap on possibly those early places where you couldn't sleep and really move that stuff and see what's going on. Step number three, don't start watching TV or grab your phone. The blue light emitted by your cell phone screen, it, it stops the production of the melatonin. And that's the hormone that controls the sleep-wake cycle. I am always prescribing melatonin for people. It doesn't really work that well, depending on why it is they're not sleeping. But you don't want to decrease that hormone because then you won't sleep and you'll think it's daylight. Step number four, wake up and do your normal morning routine to set your day up for success. So I know people are going to want to sleep until that very last minute because they're so scared about not having enough sleep. But if you could get up 20 minutes before and do whatever morning routine you do, then you can really readjust your thinking related to what it was that was going on at night that made you not sleep in the first place. Step number five, watch the self-talk about how you're going to be during the day, what the day's going to be like. That's what we were talking about before. You could take it a little slower. You don't have to rush around enough. You can stop and breathe anytime you want. And then step number six, it's really odd to have six steps, is envision how well you're going to sleep the next night. So instead of believing that oh, maybe I won't sleep tonight, and then getting all nervous and anxious about that. I just spent the day going, wow, I'm going to get like the most amazing sleep tonight because I really need to, and I am feeling tired. And you know what? At 9.30 that next night, I was in bed, and I was still sleeping till the next morning. So I, I had the most restful, wonderful night's sleep that second night. Now, the truth is, is I don't know what's going on for you. I'm not making a commentary about how much you should be sleeping or shouldn't be sleeping. But there will be times when you won't sleep. Or there are possibilities that there are times when you won't sleep. And for you to be able to handle that, to be able to move through it, and really not worry and not think that something's wrong and really rest will just set you up for the beautiful next day and your beautiful life. All right, we are figuring shit out. And if you want to figure shit out faster, because I really have been thinking about this stuff. First of all, go to the show notes because I'm putting down the six steps and then send your email address or opt in to my newsletter because I'll send you the six steps as well. And then if you really want to go fast, get in touch with me and we can work together. I don't have that much time because I'm working in remote Alaska as a doctor, but I would really love to help you if you feel like this will move things forward. And I've got some time. 
All right. I love you guys and have a great, great, great day and week. Bye. Hey, everybody. If you want to work with me and really figure shit out, get unstuck and off the emotional roller coaster and heading towards your passion. And I know you can get in contact with me and let's work together. It'll be worth worth it for the life of your dreams. Okay. You can get in touch with me at Nikki at drnikkinaredin.com. That's N-I-K-K-I at D-R-N-I-K-K-I-N-E-R-E-T-I-N.com. Take care. Love you guys.